Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about Hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. Well, today is an incredibly special day for everyone who has put their faith in Jesus or who has been raised learning about Jesus' birth. You see, this is the eve of the day that we celebrate Christ's birth. This is Christmas Eve. Of course, Christmas Day is the day that we celebrate Christ's birth. And, and what got us to the place of Jesus being born? You see, when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit created everything that ever would be created, they also knew that there would come a time where God the Son would come to the earth to be born of a virgin, to take on human flesh to identify with us, but also eventually to be the perfect sinless sacrifice for our sins. But we celebrate that beginning on Christmas Day. And so as we celebrate today, Christmas Eve, it's an incredibly important celebration for us. And I wanted to also let you know that the last three weeks, we have been in preparation for this morning in our series, the Jesus Who series. And what we're doing is we're chronologically working through the life of Jesus. And some of you weren't able to pick up a little booklet that we're using. And if you want to, there are booklets available now at the merch table. They are free, but we did a $5 donation. We're just simply letting you know of that. If you want to also pay $5 as a donation to pick up the book, we'd love for you to be able to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to continue from his birth this morning all the way through his resurrection at Easter, and his last 40 days on earth. But this morning, we look at the birth of Jesus. If you're following along in the book, it's story 1.8. If you're using your Bible, it's in Luke chapter 2. Or you can simply look at the screen. But here's what the text tells us. It was about that same time that Augustus Caesar sent out an order to all the people in the countries that were under Roman rule. The order said that everyone's name must be put on a list. This was the first counting of all the people while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone traveled to their own hometowns to have their name put on a list. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. It was known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph registered with Mary because she was engaged to marry him. She was now pregnant. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have the baby. She gave birth to her first son. She wrapped him up well and laid him in a box where cattle are fed, and she put him there because the guest room was full. In every story, there are certain components that are crucially important to not only understand the story, but to be able to track with that story. Today we're going to see some of those details that are so important. We're going to see the details of the story. We're going to see the destination that Mary and Joseph were on, but we're also going to see the desire or God's desire with this story. You see, particularly today, as we gather, particularly today, it's important for us to not only hear of the Christmas story, which many of us have heard dozens of times in our life, but today it's particularly important that we personalize the story 
of Jesus' birth. That it isn't just a story that we hear of, but it becomes real to us in our lives, in our hearts. So the first thing that we're going to look at is the details. Again, in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it said this. It was about the same time, that same time, that Augustus Caesar sent out an order to all the people in the countries that were under Roman rule. One of the important details that we see right away as we look at this story is that the people of God were under Roman rule. They, they weren't making up their own rules and, and deciding the things that they necessarily wanted to do, but because they were under the rule or under the authority of the Roman government, they had to go to a particular place in order to pay taxes or be registered. For us living in a, a country like America, we do experience many freedoms. We experience freedoms in ways that other people can't even imagine. I would say it's the greatest country that we could be raised in or, or brought up in because we experience those freedoms. And yet, even with the freedoms that we have, we're still under the authority of a government. We still have to choose whether or not we're going to submit or acquiesce to the authority of the government. You see, Mary and Joseph, they submitted to the authority. They did the things that where they were told to do. And in this particular case, about every 14 years, the Romans would say, okay, it's time for another census. And when it was time for a census, that meant that the head of each home would travel back to their ancestral records. So it wasn't just the, the place that their father was at or, or was raised. It was the place that the ancestral records for their lineage was kept. For Mary and Joseph, that meant going all the way back to Bethlehem. And when they would report back for the census, they would write down their name, their occupation, their property, and their family. Now for Joseph, being a young man, this was more than likely the very first time that he had to travel for that census. You see, up to this point, his father would have, but he had never had to make that journey before. And I appreciate what the text tells us. It says that they were under Roman rule. So even though they were under Roman rule, that doesn't mean that the Romans were in control of all the circumstances. You see, over the Romans was still our sovereign God. Even though the Romans were ruling the people, God ruled the Romans. Don't, don't miss how God uses the nations. He uses countries. He uses kings. He, he uses people to fulfill his plan and his prophecies. And I also want to remind you, the next time you find yourself frustrated with the government, we have two options. One, we can let those frustrations out, which again, it's Christmas tomorrow, and when you gather with family, I would encourage you to talk politics, religion, and money. If you do that, I, I would love to uh, just have somebody record that, bring it back in. It might be a great sermon illustration. But when, when the people would, would go out and experience opposition from the government, we're reminded in Romans chapter 13, we have two ways of handling it. One, we can gripe, or two, we can pray for those 
who are in authority over us. We can pray for those who are in positions of authority, and that's exactly what Romans chapter 13, those first seven verses remind us. So the next time we're frustrated with the government, we could do that. But Mary and Joseph had made the decision that, that because of the census, they would travel back to Bethlehem. Now, from Nazareth, where they were, to Bethlehem, was somewhere between 80 and 90 miles. Now, putting that in perspective, that would be for us traveling from here, either south toward Milwaukee, which you could do, or you could travel north towards Krivitz, which I would do. But it's about 90 miles. However, they didn't have the roads that we have. They didn't have the transportation that we have today. It wasn't as easy as driving 70 miles an hour because I know none of you would break the law and speed. It wasn't that simple. They had to walk. And because Mary and Joseph come from meager means, that meant Joseph walking and Mary was on a little colt or a donkey. And imagine the discomfort that she experienced as she's traveling 90 miles in order for this census to occur. But Bethlehem was the place that they had to go because that was the, the ancestral place that the records were kept for Joseph's family. But it was also known as the city of David. The Bible tells us that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David. This was the place that as David was, was being raised, before he ever became King David, he was the little shepherd David. This was the place where he would be in Bethlehem, outside of the city, tending sheep, watching over the flock. This is the Bethlehem that David was raised in. But it was also the place that the Messiah would be born. You see it in Micah 5, 2, it tells us, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, 700 years before Christ would be born in human flesh, the prophet Micah would let God's people know that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem when that time comes. But not only did Joseph's lineage go back to King David, so he went back to Bethlehem, but also Mary's lineage goes back to King David. That's why when you read Matthew's genealogy, uh, report of the genealogy, and Luke's, there's a little discrepancy. Luke's goes back to Mary's. Matthew's goes back to Joseph. So not only did God legally, as Joseph being the father, have the lineage go to Bethlehem and King David, but also biologically, as Mary would be his mother. But the, both lineages take us to the same place and to the same person, King David. Details matter in a story, but so does the destination. You see, if we continue in Luke chapter 2, in verse 4, again, it said this, So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. It was also known as the town of David. Destinations today are a little bit different. In fact, 
Some of you know my family and I, we really enjoy traveling. Actually, I really enjoy traveling and so do the kids because for us to travel, that means we pack our bags and you know, we get a couple reminders here and there of things that we might forget. For my wife, it's a little bit more stressful for her. She, she has to pack for all four of her kids. But, but for me, I love the destination. I love being able to go somewhere new and exciting. I love the, the thrill of just getting away. Today, when we travel with our kids as they've aged, I'm going to tell you, that's gotten a lot easier. You see, for them... Nowadays, as they're teenagers, there's rarely any noise that we hear from the, from the back seats. They sit with their, with their phones, they put their earbuds in, and the only time that we really hear anything is when a movie ends or they wake up from a nap and they let us know that they're hungry or they need to use the restroom, which inevitably always happens, you know, immediately after you leave a city where you could have stopped. The most stressful parts of the travel, are deciding where we're going to stop and eat. These are first world problems that we deal with. Not so for Mary and Joseph. They didn't have expendable income. They didn't have a Capital One credit card. They didn't have the opportunity to buy things on credit. So for them, as they traveled these 90 miles to the destination that God had picked, they had to do it by faith. And here's what they experienced. Where God guided them, God provided for them. They never went without. Where God guided them, he provided. And I think that's one of the most important lessons that we learn today still as we walk by faith. Personally, we learn that. As a family, collectively, we learn that. When we walk by faith, of course, to complicate matters, though, Mary was very pregnant. And there's no place to stay. You see, Bethlehem wasn't some metropolitan area. It was a small, obscure town. She wasn't met with a, a beautiful room that she could birth in. She didn't have a tempur mattress waiting for her. There was nothing like that. The amenities weren't available. Little Bethlehem, just a small, obscure town, was known for two things. One, for producing grain, and for two, keeping sheep or producing sheep. That's what Bethlehem was known for. In fact, in Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread. I love how Scripture, though, consistently, when you, when you, when you read it, it consistently points back to Jesus. In John's Gospel, it's recorded that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he was born in the place that means house of bread. And in Jerusalem, just being five miles away from Bethlehem, Jerusalem was the place that they would take sheep to sacrifice in the temple. And those sacrifices were made in order to appease God's wrath. It was the atonement. Those sacrifices were made in order to foreshadow the perfect sacrifice that would happen through the perfect Son of God. In fact, the Bible tells us, and we're going to see it in a couple of weeks, that as Jesus, the Son of God, would go out to be baptized, John the Baptist would declare, Behold, the Lamb of God. 
This place, Bethlehem, had so much significance. In fact, the destination for the birth of Jesus was far more providential than Mary and Joseph could have ever understood. They traveled to Bethlehem because that was the destination that God had picked and that the, that the prophet Micah had recorded some 700 years earlier. It's incredible how God aligns things to his will for his good purposes. But that also means for us, in our lives, as we are on a journey, maybe it's not to Bethlehem, and maybe the journey isn't just going to grandma's house for lunch later, but as we're on a journey, following Jesus, walking by faith, it's important that we let God set the destination. It's important that we allow God to direct our steps. You see, today, we have the convenience of smartphones, and, and when we get off course, our, our phones usually say rerouting or redirecting. And when we follow the plan that the phone lays out, we get rerouted, we get right back on track. But when we're walking with God, sometimes God steps in in really clear ways, and he says rerouting, redirecting, because he has a destination, and what I can tell you with certainty is the destination that God has for you is always better than the destination that we have for ourselves. But it's the details, and it's the destination. And as we follow God, he continues to reveal both in order to get to God's desire. You see, that's what the Christmas story reveals to us, is God's desire. But desire is birthed within our hearts. Uh, some of our desires are for good, and some of our desires are bad. And I, I think of just yesterday, we had a wonderful family Christmas with Dawn's parents. And one of the things that if you're an in-law, you, you know gathering with family can be a little bit stressful. In fact, if you're gathering with family that's not the in-laws, it can be a little bit stressful. So my wife's mom did something really nice to bring us all together. She put us on two separate teams where we were going to compete in seven games, and the winner was going to get gift certificates and cash. So if you ever want to bring the family together, the best thing to do is to split them on teams and then make them play for money because that just has a way of building camaraderie. And so what we noticed quickly is that she put her three kids on one team with her favorite grandkids, and she put the three in-laws on the other team with the ones that got left out. And at least that was our version of the story. And the games began just like you would kind of expect. Some people were a little bit more competitive than others, and I'll confess to you, when it comes to competition, I want to win at all costs. So we were down zero to one in the first game. The second game was a game of baseball. I happened to be pitching uh, some of my nieces and nephews were running the bases, and uh, I'm pitching to one of the kids. I don't even remember who. As you hear the story, you might understand why. The ball gets hit. I scramble. I grab it. We're in the garage on the concrete floor. That's not going to stop me, friends. I dive to tag my 15-year-old niece before she can get home. So not only did we get the out, but they didn't score the run, and I had a quick concussion protocol to determine everything was fine, but I needed to now play the outfield. Now, I don't want to say who won 
in the family game of Olympics there. But I'm just going to let you use your imagination. And uh, my wife told me that there is no way I'm wearing that little gold medal around my neck this morning. And what I can tell you is 10 times out of 10, if I listen to her, I make the right decision. And 10 times out of 10, if I don't, I make the wrong decision. So I decided to listen, and I did not wear the gold medal around my neck, and I just put it in my jacket pocket. But our desires have a way of drawing us. Our desires have a way of capturing our hearts. They have a way of moving us. And I think, what was God's desire in this Christmas story? It isn't just details and a destination. What is God's desire? Well, there was a moment where the angel Gabriel had an interaction with Joseph. You see, Joseph, who was engaged to Mary at the time to be married, he's doubting in this moment whether he would follow through with the marriage because his wife had become pregnant and he wasn't the dad. That makes sense. We would have questions about that. And in that moment, the angel Gabriel comes and he gives Joseph a message. And a part of that message is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And the angel says, Behold, Joseph, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That's the first part of the message. But did you know that the name Emmanuel means God with us? You see, the desire of God was to have a relationship with humanity, with people. We're created in his image, in his likeness. God loves us so much that his desire was to make it possible for us to have a personal relationship with us. And so Jesus' name is Emmanuel. God with us. His birth reveals the desire of God's heart to be with his people. So as it turns out, Mary gives birth to this child. She wraps him in swaddling clothes for his protection, for his comfort, and she lays him in a manger because there was no place or room in the inn. The Savior of the world who created everything, the Savior of the world who left the riches of heaven would come and be born in absolute poverty. Why would he do that? To be with his people. To be with creation. You see, God came into the world to be with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. But the other part that the angel told Joseph as he was wrestling through this, was not only that his name would be Emmanuel, but he said Jesus will come into the world. His name would be Jesus. And he would come into the world to take away the sins of the people. You see, Jesus was born fully God and fully human. That some 30 plus years later, he would take the weight of all of our sin, of all of humanity, that anybody who would put their faith and trust in Jesus would be able to receive the forgiveness that can only be provided through faith in him. The angel told 
Joseph. Jesus will come so that we can receive the forgiveness of sins. You may be here today. You may be here today and you, you may be struggling. You may be struggling to believe that God desires to be with you. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came so that we could know the Father. In fact, there would come a point in Jesus' ministry when, when Philip would say, show us the Father. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, Jesus' life shows us the heart of God toward people. And you may be here this morning and you may need that reminder that God came in the form of a baby so that we could experience his presence and a relationship with him. But part of our journey is sometimes the details get in the way. Sometimes our own destination, our own path, or our own desires hinder us from getting to to know the God who created us. But as we celebrate Christmas tomorrow, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow, let's remember that he came so that he could be with us, so we could have a relationship with him. And I wonder if today, you, you maybe have heard this story a dozen times in your life, but you have never experienced relationship with God. You've never experienced what it, what it means to put your faith in Jesus. And I'm gonna invite you to do that in just a moment. But you also may be here today, you may be listening today, knowing that the most important decision that you can make is to recommit your life to Jesus. To make him the first and most important priority in your life this year. We celebrate Christmas because Jesus came to be with us. I want to invite you to pray with me this morning, however it is that God's leading you to pray. I want to invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you that you came to be with us, that you sent your Holy Spirit to continue to seal within our hearts the decision to trust you. And what we want to pray for this morning is if there's anybody who's listening right now who has never made that personal decision to trust you, that Jesus, you'd give them the words to pray and it would be something even like this, Lord, I know that you came to be with us. I know that by putting my faith in you, I can receive the forgiveness of my sins and you will create within me a new heart. So please, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and I want to surrender my life to you. For those who maybe need to recommit their, their lives to you in this moment, God, that you would give them the courage to do that, that they would pray in their hearts to align their lives to you, Jesus. But for all of us, that in whatever way you're leading us, Jesus, we would celebrate you today, tomorrow, and really with each day of our lives. We love you. You're the reason, Jesus, that we're here. It's your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. 
previous messages of our Acts series can be found at hccalive.com. If you would like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give at hccalive.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe, and may we continue to love like Jesus.